Six minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Monday. Back to school, back to work we go. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
Monday morning at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmnam.org, Yaakov Shweki's Tfilat Kala, you heard Simcha Liner with Eliyahu Anavi, Im Ain Anili Mili, that's done by Benny Friedman, eighth day with freedom, as we get closer to the holiday of freedom, Ut Ut, brand new title track from your Achmiel Begun of the Miami Boys Choir, He'll be here later in the week. We'll talk about the brand new album and, of course, whatever they're going to be doing for Cholhamoid, which is making a big splash out there. Mayor Sherman, our Monday morning theme song, Masecha Hashem, and from Regesh, Modani opening things up, and we say good morning. It's Monday on this March 30th, day 10 in the month of Nisan. Good morning, getting closer and closer to the holiday of Pesach. Tomorrow, it's our pre-Pesach products program. Yeah. Get ready. Our rabbis will be here. Jay Booksbaum with the World of Kosher Wine will be here. Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum from Jay Drugs in Brooklyn will be here. They'll answer those questions. Any questions you have about the upcoming holiday, which begins on Friday night, regarding Pesach products, you could ask uh, tomorrow right here at JM in the AM. Looking forward to it. Always a uh, Always a fun and interesting program. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> we'll talk about the uh, Cholamoid events all week long, of course, as we get ready for a quote-unquote long Cholamoid, so, uh, Monday through Thursday of next week. We'll get ready for that. And um hoping everybody has a wonderful journey wherever you may be heading for Pesach. If you're staying in these parts, make sure, well, whether you're staying in these parts or not, make sure to be stay tuned into a jam in the AM. Every single weekday morning. 36 degrees, 28 is the wind chill. Yeah, we're talking about wind chills. We get closer to April. 51% humidity, winds of southwest at 11 miles per hour. Cloudy today with a high temperature of 56. And tonight, mostly clear, low of 38. Tomorrow, we've got uh, afternoon rain and a high temperature of 50 degrees. 62 right now in Yerushalayim, 36 here in Jersey City as we say good morning at JM and the AM. My thanks to everybody who was uh, tuned in last week during our Journey to Israel, much appreciated. Came on the uh, heels of our fundraising marathon 2015, which was a tremendous success, thank God. Everybody out there who was part of our JM and the AM annual fundraiser, thank you. Thank you for coming forward and being part of it and enjoying yet another great year of programming here at JM and the AM. It's much appreciated. And uh, we'll continue to uh, provide great programming for you all through the year. That's our goal. And again, I thank you for keeping us going as we achieved our goal. And um, really uh, had a just a really nice and unified and wonderful fundraiser um, this time around, as, as we thank God usually do. So a big thank you to everybody. J.M. and the A.M. at 25 minutes before 7 o'clock. Hope your weekend was fine and dandy. Um... I want to thank everybody who uh, plays a part in our weekend programming at jmandtheam.org. Not easy. And um, I thank everybody who provides programming on a constant basis for us. It is much appreciated. 
The news from Israel is quite interesting. I woke up to this. A bunch of people texted me when the news uh, was first reported. Ehud Olmert, former Israeli prime minister who was forced from office under a cloud of corruption, was convicted today of fraud and breach of trust in a retrial of a case involving an American businessman whose sensational testimony in a Jerusalem court in 2008 was instrumental in Mr. Olmert's downfall. Morris Tolansky said at the time that he had provided Olmert with about $150,000 over 13 years, mostly in cash, stuffed into envelopes, an assertion Olmert vehemently denied. Tolansky had said that much of the money was earmarked for election campaigns, but some was for Mr. Olmert's personal expenses. Prosecution said then that the money had been Funnel to Olmert from 1992 when he first ran for mayor of Jerusalem to late 05 when he was minister of industry and trade. He became prime minister in early 2006 and his three-year tenure of that office was dogged by police investigations. Court documents subsequently said that Mr. Tolansky had transferred a total of about $600,000 to Olmert, including some donations from Tolansky's relatives. A lawyer for the prosecution, Uri Korb, told reporters outside the courtroom after the verdict, the battle against corruption is long and stubborn. It takes a long time, but at long last, justice prevails. He added, seven years after Moshe Talansky's testimony, the court determined that Olmert certainly got envelopes of money and that his behavior was breach of, was breach of trust and damaged public trust and his true corruption. A.L. Rosofsky, a lawyer for Olmert, said the defense team was very disappointed with the ruling. I would decide whether to appeal after studying the verdict. Olmert left the court building without making any statement. He's due to be sentenced in May. Monday's conviction came a year after Olmert was convicted of taking bribes in another case involving the construction of a huge housing complex in Jerusalem. A judge sentenced Olmert to six years in prison. In that case, dashing any hopes the former prime minister might have had of a political comeback. The start of that sentence has been postponed pending an appeal. Olmer was acquitted in July of 2012 of corruption in the Talansky case and another case involving travel expenses. This is a um, an article that was uh, uploaded by the New York Times with the headline, Ehud Olmert, Israeli ex-premier is convicted of fraud. So a, uh, yeah, it's sad, all right. A sad day has this... Uh, as this case does not seem to ever go away. And um, now, unless the appeal works, the former prime minister will in fact go away as a result of the verdict in the corruption case. Monday morning broadcast, it's JM in the AM as we get closer and closer to the holiday of Pesach. We'll go through some of the Cholomoid events and plenty more on a very busy Monday. Keep it here at JM in the AM. Did you ever wonder where it all comes from? How you sleeping in the desert in the morning this month? No, yeah, I can't believe it. How it comes from above. How it sent forth with love. We are so young. Anishina, Anishina. 
Everybody on the 
J.M. in the A.M. Oh, yes. Manishtana. As we get closer to Pesach, pull out some of the classic and amazing Pesach selections. Monday morning broadcast. Friday night is the Seder. Thanks for tuning in to J.M. in the A.M. Tomorrow's our big pre-Pesach program. All your questions, no matter what you want to ask, tomorrow's the day to ask it. David Stein had Ki Vachar off of the YBC Live, Volume 3. We'll talk later in the week about in depth about the uh, Yeshiva Boys Choir and their plans for Cholamoid Pesach. Moshe Hecht with Heart is Alive, title track here at JM in the AM. 36 degrees, cloudy skies, a high of 56. Kudos to all the fire departments and community leaders and um, rabbinic groups and individual rabbis who are paying extra attention this year to fire safety. Uh, many communities, many fire departments organizing safety courses and uh, giving demonstrations, especially as it pertains to burning the chametz and doing bedikas chametz, the search for the chametz by candlelight, and of course the usual warnings that we like to stress uh, this year obviously become even more uh, focused for everybody as um, we try to avert additional tragedies, God forbid, in our community. Um, there are going to be many, many very hot pots with many, many very hot liquids on the stovetop and being served and uh, with the ability to be pulled down by a young kid or by anybody, really. Um, there are going to be candles lit on many occasions, candle lighting for the holiday, Bidika's Chametz, the search for the Chametz, yardside candles in the last day, Pesach. There will be a lot of candles lit. During the holiday, we have to take extra precaution and be extra careful uh, to ensure that the um, the fires that are lit and that traditionally are lit are lit in a safe manner and that we deal with them in a very safe way. So let's increase our awareness when it comes to fire safety for this upcoming holiday beginning right now, beginning this week as Bidika's Chametz, the search for the Chametz, takes place by candlelight this coming Thursday night. JM in the AM with clouds and a high of 56. We're at 36 right now on a Monday. Checking out some of the things that are going on during Cholomoid. I didn't realize that Suki and Ding has an incredible lineup planned. First day Cholomoid, Uncle Moishi and Bello are going to be at the Shulamit School in Brooklyn. On uh, the third day Cholomoid Wednesday, the twins from France plus Bello. Uh, that's happening at the Romer Synagogue in Teaneck, New Jersey. First day Cholamoid, Monday night, eighth day and Simcha Liner are going to be together, courtesy of Suki and Ding. And, um, that's happening at, uh, at, um, the Romer Synagogue, 7.30 p.m. first night Cholamoid. The, um, let's see what else we have. Uncle Maishi and the twins from France are together on Thursday Cholamoid at Tag in the five towns. It's Erev Yontif, Thursday Cholamoid. And on the second day, Cholamoid, Congregation Shari Tova on Lefferts Boulevard with Uncle Maishi, Bello, and Eighth Day in a presentation sponsored by Chazak. There's a lot of stuff going on. You can check out jewishinsights.com. Yossi Zweig has a great concert section there. You can also check out jewishtickets.com for information about any specific event that's going on. There's a lot happening, and you should check it out. We mentioned that the, um, we mentioned that the, um, News story out of Israel today, the news story out of Israel today is the conviction of uh, Ehud Olmert. The verdict is in. 
on this week's Live from Jerusalem edition of the Israel Show. That's right, 9 o'clock this morning, right after JM and the AM, Mayor Weingarten will be live from Yerushalayim. Breaking news, reversal of fortunes. Former Prime Minister Ed Olmert's innocent verdict is reversed. The court accepted new evidence and ruled today guilty, corrupt. Israel is busy cleaning house and cobbling together a new government who's in and who's out. The Israel Show will analyze it. On the musical front, another rising star, Matan Shiriki, debuting music from his brand new album, and as always, a great Israeli music mix featuring Aaron Razel, Shuli Ran, Deviatar Banai, and others with other great Pesach tracks out of Israel. It's right after us, right after JMNAM, the Israel show on jmnam.org. Make sure to like the Facebook page, facebook.com slash the Israel show. Monday morning, it's JMNAM with Shlemy Daskal.
Shlaimi Daskal with Hello Kindness Shema. Monday morning, it's JM in the AM. 36 degrees, 28, the wind chill, cloudy and a high 56. Still cold out there, unbelievable. <laughs> I'll tell you, can't take it anymore. Almost April 1st. Wednesday will be April 1st, and we are still in this... Uh, this cold front that doesn't seem to ever leave. 7 o'clock in the morning. This is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard and listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey. Big thank you to everybody who made our 2015 fundraiser such a success. Baruch Hashem, we had a great fundraising marathon here, all because of you, our incredible listeners. Big thank you to keep us going for another year. JM in the AM, and uh, um, we'll check in a little later on. Well, actually, tomorrow is when we'll check in regarding Pesach products here at JM in the AM. You'll have a chance to ask any question you wish. Later this morning, we'll check in with uh, New York City controller Scott Stringer is going to join us for a pre-Pesach message here at JM in the AM. Ray Kanelsky is going to stop by. Brissav Rum, they're doing great work for Pesach and much, much more happening here on a Monday at JM in the AM. In the background, Galei Tzal, do our news from Israel coming up. 
And uh, plenty more. I want to thank those who are responsible for our great weekend programming at jmdm.org. Thank you, Matis and Avrami and uh, David Lichtenstein and everybody who has a role in providing great programming to our listeners all through the weekend. It is much appreciated. I want to thank everybody who tuned in during our uh, broadcast from Israel last week. It was a, uh, it was quite an adventure, quite a journey, quite a couple of days, and I thank you for tuning in and being part of it. Always nice to get great feedback when we head to the Holy Land, and it's much appreciated. Galitz on the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up on this JM the AM Monday. Tomorrow it's Pesach products. All of your questions with our expert panel. I hope you'll join us with some great queries tomorrow morning. Galitzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast next at JMN. Galitzal, Hashash Time, Kanehut Graf, in Mashikorea Shav. Tegovot al Harashato, Shel Rosham Shalal Shavar Olmert, Befarashat Mat Fota Kesef. Atovea Batik, Orechadin Uri Korb, Amarlia Eldan. Lashula Zaken, Yeshelek Merkaziba Harashah. Beta Mishpat Kavaha Boker, Shetzadakno. Nahuemano, Sitka Dorkeno, Holo Hadir. The Bekhetish Toshatipu Mixri. להביא את האמת לבית משפט, לשכנע את בית המשפט. סברנו בסיבוב הראשון שצריך להרשיע את מרון מרפא המעשים שהוא עשה. הסברה הזו שלנו קיבלה היום חיזוק משמעותי. מקורבו לשעבר של אולמרט, העיתונאי דן מרגלית, אמר היום שהעונש שיוטל על אולמרט לא חשוב, אלא רק שיבקש סליחה. מר אולמרט הוא אדם שעבר עבירות חמורות ביותר, לא יעזור הטשטוש ולא יעזור הניסיון לדבר בדרמה ולהגיד ראש ממשלה, ראש זה ראש... הדבר שאולי להתפעל על דרך השלילה ממנו זה שאדם שלקח שוחד נהיה ראש ממשלה, אני לא רודף אותו ואני לא מעניין אותי שהוא לא יושב, אני חושב שיותר חשוב שהוא יודה ויבקש סליחה מהציבור. שר החוץ של רוסיה, סרגי לברוב, עזב את שיחות הגרעין בלוזן. כתבתנו עופרי אשל. בשעותיו המכריעות של השיחות עזב לברוב הנחשב מקורב לנושאים ונותנים העירניים, לשורה של פגישות שנקבעו מראש במוסקבה. הדוברת שלו הודיעה כי הוא ישוב לשוויץ מחר אם מסתמן שיש סיכוי אמיתי להסכם. וסגנו רבקור אמר שיש סיבה לאופטימיות משום שכל הצדדים מחויבים להגיע להסכמות. מחר יחול תאריך היעד להגעה להסכם מסגרת פוליטי, מעין מסמך עקרונות שעל בסיסו ינוסח הסכם גרעין כולל, עד סוף יוני. השב"כ עצר בירושלים פעיל דאעש בן 25, כתבנו טל לברם. חליל חליל תושב אבוטור הודה בחקירתו כי שהה בדירת מסתור של דאעש בעיר אורפה בדרום טורקיה, שם שהה עם מגויסים נוספים של הארגון, ביניהם ערבים ישראלים נוספים. משם הוברח לסוריה, אך לאחר מספר שבועות שב לישראל, הוא נעצר. המשטרה חושדת שראש ארגון פשיעה מהמרכז מעורב בחיסול שאירע לאחרונה. כתבתנו הדס שטייף. לקראת סוף חודש ינואר, בליל שישי, אירע פיצוץ במכניתו של שי בכר, עבריין מוכר, בעת שנסע בהוד השרון. בכר נסע בג'יפ שלו בעת שהמטען שהוצמד אליו התפוצץ. אתמול עצרו חוקרי להב 433 ארבעה חשודים במעורבות ותכנון הרצח, בהם ראש ארגון פשיעה ידוע מפתח תקווה, היושב בימים אלו בכלא. מחר יובאו כולם להארכת מעצרם. פרס ישראל על מפעל חיים יוענק לשחקן חיים טופול ולדיפלומטית וחברת הכנסת לשעבר אסתר הרליץ. טופול הגיבה להחלטה להעניק לו את הפרס לפני זמן קצר בשיחה עם יעל דן. אני בהחלט מתרגש ותודה רבה למי שהמליץ. אני כבר שולח חמש שנים המלצות על אנשים שאני חושב שהם הגרועים 
ולצערי, מצטער שהם לא קיבלו. אני לא סוליסט, אני עובד עם אנשים כל חיי. התחזית, בלי שינוי של ממש בטמפרטורות. מחר בלילה הגשם חוזר. ולסיום, לא מספיקים לעלות לרגל בפסח? הפעם אפשר לשלוח פתק לכותל דרך האינטרנט. כתבנו עומר קדרון. באתר ynet השיקו היום בשיתוף פעולה עם הקרן למורשת הכותל עמוד שיאפשר לשלוח פתק לכותל באורך של עד מאה מילים. הפתקים יודפסו ויוטמנו בין אבני הקיר הקדוש מהיום ועד ערב החג. בכותל מצפים לחצי מיליון מבקרים במהלך הפסח, ובהתאם אף למספר גבוה יותר של פתקים. אלה החדשות שעורך הדר שיפר.
Titled Cold Torah from Ellie Marcus here at JM in the AM. Monday morning with 36 degrees, clouds, and a high temperature of 56. Before that, you heard the um, brand new one from your Achmiel Begun, the Miami Boys Choir, entitled Labadig, off of the Ut Ut CD. They've got uh, major performances coming up, Cholomoid Pesach. We'll talk more about that later in the week in depth with your Achmiel Begun. And the brand new CD is entitled Ut Ut. Yomi Lowy with Moshe Kibel off of the Avas Hashem collection here at JM in the AM. Um, Ten minutes, actually uh, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock on this Monday morning, it's JM in the AM. Thanks for joining us, everybody. Don't forget our Pesach products program is tomorrow. Your opportunity to ask whatever you wish about the holiday of Pesach and specifically about products. Are they kosher? Do they need to have a special kosher Pesach designation? We'll have our entire panel here, Rabbi Schoenfeld, Rabbi Gerson, Jay Booksbaum from Kedem Wine, uh, Ronnie and Larry Birnbaum from Jay Drugs. They'll all be together with us coming up tomorrow, starting at about, oh, I don't know, 7.30-ish, 7.35-ish, tomorrow morning right here at JM and the AM. It's our annual program, which uh, g- uh, garners a tremendous amount of praise as we open up the phone lines and get ready to answer questions from all of our wonderful listeners. Uh, so that's all coming up. It's happening um, tomorrow right here at JM in the AM. Here's Avremel. Sam Mimonim, Sok Tich Rebzanvu Karbunis, 
The great Avramo Avram Freed with Mind Fillin off of the Amechaya CD. Monday morning, 36 degrees, cloudy skies, a high temperature of 56. Tomorrow, our big Pesach products program is by Gersten, or by Ellie Gersten. I said Gersten before. It's, of course, by Ellie Gersten, who will join her by Schoenfeld and Jay Booksbaum and Larry and Ronnie Birnbaum of Jay Drugs in Brooklyn. They're all going to be discussing whatever you want to discuss. You'll have a chance to ask your questions starting at about 7.30 tomorrow morning right here at JM in the AM. We'll do our annual Pesach Products program, one of the big hits of the year, and a very big public service to make sure you are tuned in. Monday morning, it's JM in the AM, a drop early for Rabbi David Goldwasser. His words, Echanish Masar of Zebin Alevi. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizok. Good morning. We're going to be continuing with our series on Pesach. We read in the Haggadah, Ilu Karalono Esayom, had Hashem split the sea for us, but had not let us through it on dry land, it would have been sufficient for us. Chazal tell us, Mikan A matrimonial match is as difficult as the splitting of the sea. Why are Shidduchim being compared to Kriyas Yamsuf? What's the connection between them? At the time of Kriyas Yamsuf, the splitting of the sea, the prosecuting angel, the Ketegra, spoke up against Klal Yisrael. These the Egyptians serve idols, and these the Jewish people serve idols. The Ketegra was accusing Klal Yisrael of being unworthy of salvation. The sea did listen to this, but then, 
The sea envisioned and ran away. What did the sea envision? Why did it run? It saw the brice of Rabbi Shmuel, which instructs people what to do if they hear Lashon Hara. They should avoid listening by folding the soft part of their earlobe over the opening to block out the sound. When the Yam saw this brisa, it realized that it had been listening to Lashon Hara about B'nai Yisrael, and therefore it fled to avoid hearing it, which resulted in the splitting of the sea. As the Chavetz Chaim explains, if it's impossible for us to avoid hearing Lashon Hara in the setting that we're in, we should remove ourselves from the situation. Rav Yosef Poznovsky explains, like Kriyas Yamsuf, Shiduchim involve a lot of discussion about the various parties. There's often Lashon Hara spoken as people try to find out as much as they can before proceeding with a match. It can be difficult to strike the right balance between saying what should be said while avoiding Lashon Hara. Just like the Yam Ran, so too, we have to familiarize ourselves with the Halachas of Lashon Hara. We have to run away from any involvement with it. The great Sadiq Reb Nachman of Breslov offers a profound insight into the challenge of guarding our tongue. When we are little, we learn to talk. When we are old, we learn to be quiet. That's one of the shortcomings of human beings. We learn to speak before we learn to be quiet. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser bringing you Morning Chizik. Have a nice Good morning. Day. JM in the AM Monday. My thanks to Rabbi Goldwasser. And my thanks to Rabbi Goldwasser, by the way, as well, for his amazing presentations each day during our fundraising marathon, which ended two Fridays ago. Great success. I thank all of you, our incredible listeners. And he had some fantastic words about JM in the AM. Uh, during those presentations, and I thank him very much. I just got I just got a comment on our NSN app. Happy to have successfully dehumatized the car, thanks to five girls from Base Yaakov Academy in Queens. So it's good to see the youth is getting involved and in getting everything important clean for Pesach. Yes, the car is an issue, isn't it, for everybody, and or at least for those I guess who are staying home. And uh, hopefully we'll have good weather this week, so everybody can get to those cars and clean them up uh, as best as possible. Uh, well, not a, not a, not too clean of a situation in Israel with Ehud Olmert being convicted, and the verdict is in. That's right, he's been convicted. And I guess he and his uh, attorneys will decide if there'll be an appeal now in that case. Mayor Weingarten will have the latest live from Jerusalem. He will be live from Jerusalem, 9 a.m., right after JM in the AM with the Israel Show. Make sure to be tuned in. Go, into, uh, go to the Facebook uh, update page, facebook.com slash the Israel Show. He'll have all the information regarding the news from Israel, elections and more, and of course, uh, plenty about the uh, Olmert decision uh, as well. Well, one of our favorite people is with us live via telephone, somebody who legitimately is among the few people who can uh, take credit for my career, and it's always a pleasure to welcome him. Uh, Dr. Jeffrey Gorak is the Libby M. Clapperman Professor of Jewish History at Yeshiva University. Uh, he has um, authored a brand new book, The Holocaust Averted. An Alternate History of American Jury, 1938 to 1967. And uh, the book is available. It's Rutgers University Press. And uh, Dr. Gorak, you know I mean it when I say it's a pleasure to welcome you back to JM in the AM. Well, it's always a pleasure to speak to you. And uh, whatever credit I get for working with you when you were my student at Bernard River Graduate School many years ago, uh, you've done outstanding work and... Uh, 
I'm very proud of the job you've done. So it's nice to be on your show, and it's nice to talk about uh, my newest book. Oh, I greatly appreciate that. Well, is this how it works? First you become a, a student of history, then an expert in history, then an, an analyst of history, then an author of history, and then you start creating alternate histories? Is that the progression of how it goes? Well, it turns out <laughs> that what's known as counterfactual history has been in existence for really almost 50 years. There was a book written in the 60s called If the South Had Won the Civil War, right. which posits what America would be like, in fact, the world would be like, had the South prevailed in the, uh, in the Civil War. And when I started working on this book, which looks at what American Jewish life would have been like, and really world Jewish life would have been like, had there been no Shoah, I thought I was the only one out there doing that sort of work. Well, it turns out, that there are a number of Jewish historians who are doing all sorts of work in this particular field. In fact, one scholar is working on the question of what Sephardic jury would be like had the expulsion from Spain not taken place. Wow. And we go on and on and on. But, uh, frankly, it is a work of fiction that is predicated upon real historical sources, and it's also, in my opinion, an important teaching device because when you look at very significant turning points in history and what didn't happen it gives you a perspective on what did happen and one of the things that i do in the book besides sketching out alternate scenarios for the time period of nineteen thirty eight to nineteen sixty seven nineteen thirty eight begins with in my story the british and french standing up to hitler in munich and nineteen sixty seven of course is the six-day war which happens in a very very different way with a very very different president of the united states not Lyndon Johnson, but Joseph P. Kennedy, Jr., because right. America does not get involved in World War II, and Joe Kennedy, Jr. does not get shot down during the war. In any event, every chapter ends with a synopsis of what really happened, so people can compare what I wrote to what really happened, and I think this could be a very good teaching device, because at the end of the day, you were kind enough to say that I was an analyst of history and a teacher, but more importantly, I'm a teacher of history, and I'd like to see this book be used not only as an entertaining book, but also as a book that people could uh, learn a lot about the real history. Dr. Jeffrey Gorak is with us. The book is called The Holocaust Averted. Is it, is it a more fun project because of the imagination and maybe some would say exaggeration of certain circumstances? Is it more fun than just writing a history book? Well, it was a lot of fun because I had to dream up certain scenarios, but it was also very challenging. I'm sure you were raised this way, and the way I was raised, my parents always told me, always tell the truth. Right. Because if you tell the truth, you'll tell the same story 50 different times. In fact, <laughs> my children often charge and they say, Pop, you have five stories, you tell everybody, okay? But it's always the same. But in this book, I'm not telling the truth. I'm making up scenarios. So what I did in doing the book is I made big charts to remind me of what Neville Chamberlain said in 1937, which what he doesn't say in 1937 or 38, and what really happened. So I have these charts. I had to invent different presidents of the United States. For example, since America does not get drawn into the new Great War, not World War II, Franklin Delano Roosevelt does not run for a third term. So I had to create a different president for uh, for the United States. And the list of scenarios goes on and on. But frankly, um, beyond the fictional piece here, there are certain truths about American Jewish life that I want to explicate 
through alternate history. Maybe we can talk about that for a moment. Yeah, now we'll get to that because I assume you're alluding toward the American attitude toward Zionism and other things. But before that, I, I have to imagine that for me and the, and for most of this audience listening, the biggest curiosity, and again, you may have given it away already because you mentioned the Six-Day War, uh, was there, according to Dr. Gorak's account, a fictional account as we emphasize, was there a creation of the State of Israel? Yes, Israel comes into existence in a very, very different way than we have in the story. And one of the pieces that I cannot use is the fact that the world reaction to the murder of six million Jews could not be in play here. But without giving away the entire book, because I want people to read the book, I want people to buy the book, obviously, Okay, (laughs) is that um, after the war that the British get involved in for many years, as late as 1946, they're still embroiled in overseas struggles in the Far East. At that point, both Jewish nationalists and Arabs try to push the British out of, out of Palestine, and you have the conflict which leads to a 1948 uh, endeavor. Right. But um, the situation is very different in the United States. I think Nahum probably the most exciting piece of my book is the bombing of the King David Hotel, which, of course, took place. Mm -hmm. But I tell it in a very, very different way. So imagine this. The Irgun bombs the King David Hotel. This is my story, not real history. And not only are British officers killed, but American peacekeepers who find their way into the Middle East are killed. Mm -hmm. And at that point, the American government and the American people turn very strongly against the Zionists. There's a little-known senator named Harry S. Truman from Missouri who is quoted as saying, if the Jewish people were facing an existential crisis, I could support, and he uses the word terrorists, but I can't support the Zionists. The Daily Mirror, a tabloid in New York City, runs a headline that says, Palestinian Jews attack America. Mm. So the question I raise in the book is, what do American Jews do when the American people turn dramatically against the Zionist cause? Oh, by the way, at that point, David Ben-Gurion starts talking seriously to Joseph Stalin about the communists helping Israel come into existence. So it's a complicated story. You know, it's, but, but it's not far-fetched, because, you know, and, and some people who, you know, uh, who, who rely on the Shoah, so to speak, historically for the eventual establishment of the State of Israel, if you think about it, the British attitude at that time, after all those decades of, you know, the British mandate, uh, the British attitude was, was, uh, seemed to be, you know, at times to just throw their hands up and become very frustrated with what was going on in the Middle East. Them leading, uh, other countries to demand a partition plan under those circumstances is not so far-fetched. And when an American president, I won't reveal his name at this point, but the, when the American president says to the American people, we have 50 million Arabs sitting on billions of gallons of oil, right. and we have these Jews in Palestine who are anti-American, or anti-America, after all, they have bombed, they have bombed the King David Hotel. Right. What do what do American Jews do? Right. Do very complicated. So, and as you can well imagine, as you well imagine, there's a great dispute within the American Jewish community as to whether or not American Jews would continue to support Palestine, obviously Israel, or whether they would hunker down and be very concerned with the canard 
of dual loyalty, which I have to tell you, in real history, I keep bouncing back from alternate history to real history. In real history, American Jews have never faced an explicit, explicit American president who is anti-Zionist, and I use the word explicit advisedly and for a particular purpose. Right. In this story, we have to deal with an America that turns against, uh, uh, against Palestine, against Israel. And this, by the way, in my story, creates a significant rift between American Jews and Palestinian Jews uh, after 1940. You know, it's funny because a lot of people sit and think that we've had this challenge for 66 years. You'd argue it's been a challenge, but not an explicit one. Well, in terms of American presidents in Israel, right. probably the low point in American Jewish and Israel relations and American relations is 1956 during the Suez crisis right. when uh, when Eisenhower and John Forster Dulles basically basically forced the British, the French, and the Israelis to withdraw from Suez. Uh, that's a very low point. Uh, but, but at that point, the United States Congress and the American people overwhelmingly support the state of Israel. So that's a low point in our history. Right. But uh, for the most part, we've dealt with a situation where uh, American and American jury are in lockstep in support of, uh, of uh, Israel. Now, the truth is there are moments in time where the relationship has been frayed. I think we're living through one of those times right now quite significantly. But the idea that there's an explicit statement that we're going to support the Arabs over the Jews is something we have to contemplate in terms of what would American Jews do. And there's one other point I should make. And ironically, and ironically, we should add that, again, we see great congressional support at this time for Israel. That's correct. Right. That's correct. And one of the things we can say about uh, American Jewish activism after World War II has to do with the fact that when Jews, for example, our very heroic and successful campaign on behalf of Soviet Jewry in the 60s and 70s, okay, that campaign was predicated upon our desire to help our brethren in the Soviet Union, but we also had in the back of our mind mm, World War II. that America was always on our side. Oh, I thought you were going to say that we always had in the back of our minds that we were not there to help during the Shoah, and therefore we well, have that's to... that's true, too. Right. But in terms of American support, right. there was no one in the United States Congress or the presidency who said there's something wrong with supporting a attack against the Soviet Union, right. a... Uh, political attack or a humanitarian uh, uh, agenda that was that was pushed by American Jews. All right. Oh, boy. Unbelievable. Dr. Jeffrey Gorax with us, Libby Clapperman, professor of Jewish history at Yeshiva University. The book is called The Holocaust Averted, an Alternate History of American Jury, 1938 to 1967. How are these... I have no idea what the answer to this is, so don't, please don't be insulted. But how how are these alternate history books um, uh, looked at in the world of academia? Uh, are there those who uh, you know who who who, uh, who who resent the fact that someone would go ahead and write a book that actually changes history or suggests a fictitious aspect of history? Well, I was very concerned about that. But as I said at the outset, I became aware of the fact that I wasn't the only person out there in the field who's doing that sort of thing. So there are, there are people who are actually doing other aspects of Jewish history and world history based upon these alternate scenarios. So uh, there are critics, but I must say there's a certain methodology to this that has to be understood. For example, 
I can't have Wendell Wilkie run for president in 1944 <laughs> because he dies in 1943. Okay. Those who Wait a second. I thought, I thought Wilkie could run whatever he wants. Well, if he, if he ran in 44 and was elected, you'd have a scoop. That's for sure. Uh, if you're writing about the Jews at Masada, you can't provide them with machine guns. Okay, there's, there's certain rules rules to this game, but more and more this thing has been accepted. And just as, as a personal story, uh, a year and a half ago, I went to my annual conference, the Association for Jewish Studies in Boston, and I was very reticent about talking about what I was working about because people, you know, grow up. What are you working on now? And sure enough, there's a session on alternate history. Wow. And I went up to the uh, the professor who was running the session. His name is Gabriel Rosenfeld, who teaches at Fairfield University. I said, you know, none of the people were talking about America. He said, are you interested in running about America? I said, turns out I'm almost finishing a book on that subject. So I'm yeah. um, not out there alone. Interesting. There are people critical of what we do, but that's okay. Uh, I think this is a, um, a device which will... Uh, educate. In fact, one of the blurbs for the book was written by um, an editor from Vanity Fair who said this book will educate, entertain, and perhaps infuriate the audience. <laughs> That's great. That's okay too. That's Doc, okay too. Dr. Gorak, um, with this, uh, uh, with this, um, you know, alternate history, and and obviously the the Jews not suffering the way they did in the real World War II at mm-hmm. the hands of the Nazis. Do the German Jewish communities in your book survive? I mean, years later in the 1960s, are there still thriving Jewish communities in Eastern Europe? So two interest, two interesting points about this. Okay, two of the, Two, probably the two greatest Jewish historians of the 20th century, Jacob Ray Marcus, as you know, for, as my student, was the founder of the study of American Jewish history, right. and Salo Barone, the greatest Jewish historian of the 20th century, who, by the way, when the Eichmann trial began, he was the first witness just to portray what, a, what Jewish life was before the Shoah. Listen to this. In 1934, uh, Marcus wrote a book, in which he predicted that German jury would survive Hitler and that Nazism would pass. This is 1934. 1937, a few months before, a year before Kristallnacht, Barone says the same thing. So in my proposal for the book, I quote these two eminent scholars, and I say, how wrong were they, but what if they were right? So the reality about German jury is the following. In 1933... There are about a half million Jews in Germany. When World War II starts, about two-thirds of these Jews were successful in getting out. Mm -hmm. Some of them went to Palestine until the British closed down Palestine. Many of them come to America, notwithstanding the immigration laws. And sadly, like my wife's family, some of them go to uh, Holland or Belgium or France, and then they get caught up in the Shoah when the invasion takes place in 1940. So in real history, the uh, most German Jews get out. In my story, almost all of them get out. And there is a story in the book in the early 1940s where Adolf Eichmann says to Heinrich Himmler, you know, that uh, it, it, if, we had our, if we had the possibility, we could eliminate these German Jews. However, most of them are gone. Most of them are gone, and most of them are free, and they've moved to Palestine because the British have changed their policies after they stand up to Hitler. 
What you're hearing here is a very complicated story, but each aspect of it illuminates a different aspect of what uh, the story was all about. And when you think about it, not not to not to suggest that any significant event in history is minor, but any small episode could have such an effect. I mean, we know people have made movies about you know Hitler being assassinated and things like that, and the changes that would have happened in history if, in fact, the you know this would have happened or that would have happened. It is it, it just amazing how little has to happen uh, in order for you know something a major historic dramatic change to occur. There are significant turning points. That's one of the things that's emphasized in the book, where things turn. Um, I have to admit, I do not read Japanese. However, I became aware of the fact that there exists a Japanese historiography which argues that Tojo, Hideki Tojo, almost gets outvoted in December 1941, and that the, the Japanese almost bypass attacking Pearl Harbor and the Philippines. So I have in my book uh, American sailors sunning themselves on the deck of the USS Arizona on December 7, 1941. It's a, a, very, a very, very different story. But each one of these turning points is, is quite uh, significant. And it also points to the lack of inevitability of certain things that uh, ultimately uh, take place. Uh, the truth is that the Nazis in 1938, were not really ready for an all-out war in the European theater. In my story, they're pushed, or Hitler moves them in a, a year too early to start the war, and there are major implications that derive out. And by the way, I have Hitler assassinated in 1944 in a very different scenario than you could uh, you could imagine. <laughs> Dr. Gorak is the Libby Clapperman Professor of Jewish History at Yeshiva University. The book is called The Holocaust Averted. I assume this is available everywhere at this point? Yes, and in fact, this evening at 7 o'clock, there's going to be a book launch of this book, if you want to hear more about this, uh, at the Center for Jewish History. Oh, nice. I'll be talking about the book. Uh, in fact, it's being broadcast on the Jewish Broadcasting Service, uh, a national hookup. And it's very exciting, and people are invited to attend and to raise questions. And, you know, uh, it's very interesting. We've debated some of these issues uh, uh, across our Shabbos table at, with my family, with my grown children, over the last year and a half. And uh, they often say, uh, well, it, it could have been someplace, something different. And I say, okay, write your own book. So <laughs> I, I invite people to come. I invite people to criticize the book. But I invite people, more importantly, to learn uh, about American Jewish history and world Jewish history through this very, very different approach to, to writing history. All right, so that's the uh, 7 o'clock tonight, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, Jewish Broadcasting Service, and it's happening at the Center for Jewish History. Everyone can go and enjoy uh, Dr. Gorak's presentation and the Q&A. The Holocaust Averted is the name of the book. It's an alternate history of American Jewry, 1938 to 1967, uh, Dr. Jeffrey Gorak. And I got to, uh, I'm sure you'll shep some nachas from this, Dr. Gorak. Uh, on a regular basis, a couple of my kids attend Shabbos services at the Eldridge Street Synagogue. How do you like that? That's wonderful. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm glad the synagogue has regular Shabbos services, and I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, the synagogue has been revived. In fact, if you go, one last quick story. Sure. Everybody says I'm a storyteller. <laughs> this is a true story. If you go to the museum, Beit HaTavutzot in Tel Aviv, right. they have a film strip about American Jewish life in the 1970s. 
that's narrated by the late Sam Levinson, the old-time Jewish sure. uh, humorist. Right. And one of the scenes they have here is the end of the Elder Street Synagogue, and they show the synagogue in complete disrepair, and uh, the congregation has come back, the museum has come back, and with the growth of the Lower East Side, uh, it has a real future, not an alternate history. That's no question sure. about it. Uh, always a delight speaking with you. I hope we will do this again soon. Good luck with the book, and have a Chag Kasher V'Sameach. Same to you. Thank you so much, Nachum. Have a good day. Dr. Jeffrey Gorak, The Holocaust Averted, his name in the book. Great Pesach read, great read at any time. Uh, check it out, everybody. The Alternate History of American Jury, 1938 to 1967. Five minutes before 8 o'clock. This is JM in the AM.
Brand new from your Achmiel Begun, Miami Boys Choir. The CD is entitled Ut Ut, and that's uh, Aisha's Chayel. This is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial. Broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Well, he's a great government official, and he's also one of the uh, best friends we have. In the world of government uh, here at JM and AM, I refer to New York City Controller Scott Stringer. And before the uh, holiday of Pesach, 
I want to make sure to get him on the air. Talk about some of the things he's been doing prepaid. He's actually been baking matzahs, delivering food packages. He's very involved in Pesach activities. Controller Scott Stringer from New York City. Welcome back to JM in the AM. Before Pesach. What do you say? Say it again. It's great to be on the show <laughs> right before the holiday. I appreciate that. I hear you've been uh, spending your time uh, in the community very wisely, baking those matzahs and delivering packages for people who need them, which is, of course, a great way to spend some time before Pesach. No question you, about that. You know, it's actually it's actually a lot of fun. And uh, last year I, I made some matzah, and I'm, I went right back to do it again because you have to think about life after term limits. So. What, what is <laughs> life after term? What, what did the uh, professionals, the, uh, the, the ones who've been baking matzahs for 23, 30 years, what did they think about your uh, skill when it comes to baking those matzahs? I think the, the care I put into the rolling of the matzah <laughs> and the timing of it, you know, you don't have a lot of time to get the matzah to the oven and out. Everything is very prescribed. That's right. I think I'm developing, you know, expertise. I think it's partly because, you know, I spent a lot of time auditing, and all that is timing as well. So it's all working together. I, have to I, have I never realized your background would help in this area, frankly. <laughs> Scott Stringer's with us live via telephone. Well, um, uh, obviously, New York has New York's always through very difficult challenges, no question about that. But uh, a couple of tragedies recently have certainly shed some light on safety. And before the holiday, it's a good opportunity to remind everybody um, the, the the collective Jewish heart and really the collective New York City heart. And I think everybody who's uh, aware of the story, uh, Scott, um, uh, was uh, certainly affected and tremendously pained by the tragedy of the Sassoon family. If there is anything good to come out of this, uh, it's obvious that our community and other communities are paying a lot more attention to fire safety. And as you know, before Pesach, that's extremely important to keep in mind. Well, it was such a horrible tragedy, the loss of these children. Uh, the community is just always going to have this in our hearts. And the and, and there's nothing that words cannot comfort people. The only thing I think we have to really double down on is the whole notion of smoke detectors and batteries that operate and up. Upgraded, uh, you know, upgraded uh, carbon monoxide spring uh, you know, systems as well, because safety comes first, and we've got to just be sure the community is equipped. And I must tell you, I was out with Chaim Deutsch, and uh, what he was doing in the community, just bringing smoke detectors to a community meeting, and uh, we all have to think like Chaim is thinking. Yeah, no question about it. And as you know, as we get closer to the holiday on Friday night, there'll be. Lots of candles and cooking and hot food and liquids and uh, a lot to be and, and searching for the chametz by candlelight. There's a lot to be aware of, and hopefully people will keep all those safety measures in mind. Uh, unfortunately, sometimes it takes a tragedy to remind people about it, but this was certainly something that uh, hit the collective uh, heart in a That's very terrible. in a very That's strong terrible. fashion. What update can you give us uh, in terms of what's happening on Second Avenue? Yet another tragedy that New York City has suffered, and we know now of the uh, two deaths, and there are some severe injuries. There are, gonna be, there are people who are going to be displaced for, for weeks at this point. Uh, uh, what could you tell us about what's happening down at 2nd Avenue and uh, 7th Street in New York City? You know, that's another, it's just another terrible tragedy. I mean, the Manhattan District Attorney, my understanding, is investigating, so there's a aspect of this that we still perhaps don't see readily. But, uh, again, I mean, you have these tragedies, and it reminds, it reminds all of us, one, just how lucky we are, and two, how careful we all have to be, even in this society of ours. It's just a matter of just being very careful. You know, if you if you smell a gas leak, don't think your neighbor's going to call it in. You know, go be proactive and 
perhaps you'll avert a tragedy. So it's been a very rough couple of weeks for this city. No question you know, about it. Level. But you know what's interesting, and uh, maybe holiday time makes us focus more on camaraderie. It is amazing to watch New Yorkers come together in light of these circumstances. Maybe it's the FDNY and the NYPD that, that gives this type of, uh, you know, atmosphere to, to these types of episodes, but there's just the response and the uh, selflessness that we see among regular people is pretty amazing. It's really incredible. I mean, we watch these firefighters. People were talking yesterday how they just rush into any dangerous situation. They don't walk. They don't look both ways. They go marching right into the most dangerous situation. Our police officers are right there with them, and they're really the heroes of our city. And then there are the people who donate money or clothing or, or just are there to help. And whatever our problems that sometimes divide our city, it's it's these tragedies that remind us why we're New Yorkers. No question and uh, look, we've got a very strong economy, and we have real potential for really expanding opportunity for every New Yorker. We've got to be cautious and careful about how we budget. We've got to make sure that we get our fair share from Albany. The budget negotiations are happening you know, as we speak. Right. And if we can continue to invest in our infrastructure and in our city, uh, both in Manhattan, but most importantly, in, in all of our boroughs to build economic opportunity for our people. Well, this is, again, a very important topic pre-holiday time. I was speaking to Penny Hikins, who you, of course, work closely with and is such an important member of our community. He was telling us about the food deliveries and how you were out there uh, with your whole team, uh, making sure that you could uh, deliver and highlight, not just deliver, but obviously highlight and publicize the fact that there are people who care about those who are in need. With, with the... Uh, uh, with the economy the way it is and with um, uh, things as challenging as they are, uh, are we doing enough in New York City for those who don't have, for those who are in real need, especially this time of year? Well, this is going to be the real question for our city, given the fact that our budget gaps are, are, are not as wide as they usually are and that we actually have a robust economy. We have to make sure that this economic activity helps everybody. And the facts are we have... Uh, close to 60,000 people living in shelters every night, 25,000 of them are our children. Uh, we have a NYCHA housing infrastructure that is really on the verge of tipping. And we've got to now think strategically about how we target people who are struggling, the middle class that are having a hard enough time putting food on their table or clothing children. And the good news is we have resources to get this done. Right. We now have to work collectively throughout our city and working with our communities. You know, nothing's going to happen unless we engage all of our communities, and that's going to be the challenge of the administration. This is the work that I think about doing every day. I can tell you that we're going to continue to audit and investigate, root out waste, root out fraud, make sure that every tax dollar is put to use for people, and that is the job of control. It really is the people's office. It's the place you go when you think something's wrong or you want someone to challenge you know, an agency or, or someone in government. This is the office you come to, and I'm mindful of that. Uh, New York City Controller Scott Stringer with us as we uh, get set to wish him a very happy and wonderful upcoming holiday. Uh, you know, I, I know that this is going to be an embarrassing point because when I say this to you in private, you always blush, but I'm going to say it publicly anyway. It must be difficult for you to be in a position that you're in with a leader of the city from your own party when so many people would like to see you be mayor of New York. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go now. Um... <laughs> Thank you, You you know, obviously, the leadership of the city is is from your own party. It puts everybody in a difficult position. But you know, there are a lot of people out there that would love to see you run for the top spot. Well, you know, that that's very that's very nice. Look, part of the job of controller, actually, the job of controller is the ability to do two things very well. 
You have to work with the mayor because you do a lot of the financial work together. You market bonds together. You go to the rating agencies, the, the, the state for our financial plan. So we really work with City Hall to make sure that we're on the same page, that we're fighting for the economy in New York City. We went to Albany together to talk about fair share funding. The state, is, the state owes us $7.7 billion over the last five years, and uh, the mayor and I are trying to get that money. Right. But look, the job of controller is to work for nobody except the people, and I have to you know, audit agencies and take on City Hall when I think they're going in the wrong direction, and that's tough when it's from your own party, but it's working. And I am very committed to being the best controller for the people of the city. And if that means standing up to the powers that be, then you have to stand up to the powers that be. But that's okay, because we're also working very hard collaboratively to make things work for our city. I got you. All right, listen, I, I hope I hope I get one of those uh, uh, round uh, handmade matzahs that you made on Friday night. I hope that that's... Uh, uh, <laughs> Someday. Someday. <laughs> Someday. You don't know. It may end up in the box that I buy. How would you know? I may get lucky. <laughs> That's right. This is a whole new world now. I take this opportunity to wish you a Zeeson Pesach. Have a wonderful yes. holiday, Scott. And thanks Pesach so Pesach to you and your family and to all your listeners uh, who love the work that you do every day informing them about what's going on in this town. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. There he is, the Honorable Scott Stringer, New York City Controller. We know, we know each other a long time at this point. I'm just thinking, wow. We really know each other a long time. He's been a great friend of the show. He's been here. He's been here at JM and the AM over the years. And, uh, yeah, if I, if I, if I allude to the fact that I would like to see him be the leader of New York City at one point, you know, I tell it like it is, don't I? Yeah. And, uh, there are a lot of people who would love to see that. Anyway, quarter after eight o'clock. It's Monday morning. It's JM in the AM with 36 degrees, clouds, and a high of 56. More coming up. Keep it right here at JM in the AM.
Wine Rib Brothers. Nigun Simcha here at JM in the AM. A lot of great Pesach traditions. There are a lot of great Pesach traditions. Some go back hundreds of years. <laughs> Some go back thousands of years. Other Pesach traditions go back, oh, I don't know, 20, 30 years in that area. Six Flags, that's right, everybody. Six Flags is a great Pesach tradition, at least in this area of the world. I can tell you that much. Rabbi Eitan Katz, Regional Director of New Jersey NCSY, is with us live via telephone. And he claims that NCSY again on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Cholamoid, will be heading down to Six Flags, what we like to refer to as Six Flags Great Adventure. And Monday's going to be an extra special day down there. Rabbi Eitan Katz, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nachum. How are you? Baruch Hashem, everything is wonderful. So I don't know how many years it is, but it's been a long time that New Jersey NCSY is leading one of the fun and most incredible and one of the largest Cholomoid events out there. Are you getting ready for yet another... I'm getting ready. Pesach from the air, Pesach King is coming around. I know. And I think it's been just over 30 years. We're not in the thousand-year category yet for uh, the Pesach tradition, but we're getting there. We're getting there. You're, you're, you're heading toward the matzah. You want, you want to be as annual, as long-time an annual tradition as the matzah. Anyway, uh, Monday's a big day for NCSY because obviously, as I mentioned, uh, I shouldn't say obviously, but as I mentioned, you'll be down there uh, with group tickets, etc., etc., uh, good for Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But on Monday... You're going to be featuring a massive concert with Benny Friedman and Mordechai Shapiro. What's this all about? So that is true. I'm not going about six years ago. Uh, in fact, exactly six years ago, we started uh, changing the whole, the whole venue when we had a concert. We started off with uh, a boys choir for two great years, and uh, we had New York boys choir and a few other groups come and go. Last year, we had uh, Shreki, and this year, for the first time ever, we're actually having two people, Mordechai Shapiro and Benny Friedman. Uh, it's very, very exciting. It's really, it's been one of the highlights. It's been one of the, one of the highlights. But after a full day of, uh, of the roller coasters, of Sinta Kai and, uh, Green Lantern and all the other fun stuff, you get together for a real, uh, Simchat Hag, you know, with Benny Friedman. It's going to be unbelievable. Oh, no, no question about that. It's a lot of fun. It, does it, t- is the concert going to be toward the end of the day? Is that when it's going to be happening? The concert's going to be at 5 o'clock. The park's open from 10.30 till 8 p.m. It's really a very packed day. And the concert's going to be at 5 o'clock. Okay, 10.30 till 8. I think that's later than it used to be in the old days, if I'm not mistaken. It is. It is. It is. And the concert begins at 5. All right, what do people do? They they call you. They go to the website. How do people get tickets? And are those tickets good for one entry any of the three days? Or do they need specific tickets for each day? How does it work or by cats? Okay, so first of all, you can either call us, uh, 201-862-0250, or go on our website and order online, okay. or you can buy from a number of the distributors uh, across the New York, New Jersey area. Um, the tickets are good year-round. Tickets are good up until sickest. So if you um, buy a ticket, if you buy one ticket for one entry, that one ticket can be used for one entry any time during the Six Flags season? Correct, correct. One ticket, it's good for the entire season. I was, no, it's good for one entry. Uh, for the entire season. Right, correct. For some reason, you want to go Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday. Right, so if you, if you, so, so for instance, and I hate to stretch this out because, um, we should really concentrate on Pesach, and we will in a moment. But for instance, if you have a group that's going with a hundred people in June from a school to Six Flags, they've got to be, they've got to do the smart thing and buy those tickets from you. 
That, that is right. That is because those true. tickets are discounted, and again, as you just said, those tickets can be used any time during the entire season. Right. It's discounted. It can be used any time, and there's an added big advantage of it's going to an incredible sucker. That's right. So everybody gets to support NCSY and gets to... Uh, continue supporting your great programs, and at the same time, go on some great roller coasters and enjoy some fantastic music. All right, Eitan Katz with us, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday of Cholomoid, are the official NCSY days. Monday is the real big one. The day will wrap up with the Benny Friedman Mordechai Shapiro concert happening at 5 p.m. at uh, Six Flags Great Adventure down in the uh, central New Jersey area. Rabbi Katz is working on the weather. You're trying to get at least 20 degrees warmer than now, right? At least. At, le- at least 20 degrees warmer. <laughs> I mean, the, the weather forecast looks like it's holding out. Oh, fifties and sunny. So uh, good. No, it's three days. We're gonna have some good weather. That's good to know. What about kosher food, Rabbi Katz? So we're going to have kosher food. We're having a Ruben's glass spot under the shkacha of a pipe uh, once again. Uh, working with them on the menu, getting some uh, healthier options, salads, and you know, for those people who want the, the healthier options. Wow. Uh, so we're listening towards a good menu. Um, it's definitely an option. You can also bring your own food. You can you cannot bring it into the park based on park rules. Right. There are lockers available, or you could go in and out of the park and um, you know eat your matzah out, out of your car or do a little picnic on the side if you, if you like. Right. In other in other words, as long as you get stamped on the way out, they'll let you back in. You have nothing to worry about. Correct. Correct. All right. See, so all those are all the food options. You can bring food from home. Leave it outside the park. You can uh, uh, take care of your menu at uh, Ruben's Glot Spot. Uh, over there at Six Flags, they'll have kosher Pesach food. The food, I assume, will be available all three days? All three days. Okay. Uh, if you search NCSY Great Adventure or just go online, Six Flags, NCSY, all of it will make the web address all will, yes. come all up. All of it will get the right spot. It's as, sim- Great it's as simple as that. New Jersey NCSY is in charge of this program. You are going to have other regions joining you, correct? Correct. New York joins us, uh, Baltimore, Philadelphia. Uh, we get people, people from all over the country actually come and join us for this massive event. Uh, this event has a reputation really across the country. People really do, uh, hear about it and come in and say, I was in New Jersey or in Baltimore for, for Hug, and we just had to come and see it. Uh, it's an amazing, amazing sight when you see sometimes close to 10,000 Jews, you know, at one time in the park. It's unbelievable. Hey, it's a lot uh, of fun. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Also, this year, uh, there's an added bonus. Yeah. It is not during spring break for, uh, for, for the public schools. Ah. <laughs> you mean shorter lines. lines. There'll be shorter lines this year. I'll That's tell you, correct. you can't guarantee the weather, but I like how you're guaranteeing the shorter lines. That's good. <laughs> to purchase tickets to get all the information, go to ncsygreatadventure.com. ncsygreatadventure.com. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Benny Friedman, Mordechai Shapiro. On Monday, there are ticket outlets. Those tickets are good for one entry all season. So you want to be in touch with NCSY. And, and give us the price. Tell us how much money people are saving if they order now. If you order now, you're, you're paying $38, which is really about almost about half the price of the, of the regular Great Adventure price. What is it, like a $65 ticket normally? Correct. It's a $65 ticket normally. So it's 38 If you buy at the gate, if you... If you wait for the last minute and buy at the park, it's 45 okay. But there's another big advantage. If you buy ahead of time, you save $10 on the parking. Nice. You $10 on the parking you buy ahead of time, which means really a family of six. If you buy ahead of time, you're saving $50, $60, which is amazing. Right. All right. Uh, phone number is 201-862-0250, 201-862-0250, ncsygreatadventure.com. Uh, Rabbi Katz and I continue the tradition that we started years ago. Anybody out there that would like to provide tickets for kids that would never, ever go 
uh, to a Cholamoid event. They can't. Their parents can't afford it. 38 bucks a ticket. Uh, you want to sponsor 10 kids, it's $380. You want to sponsor two kids, it's, uh, what was that? It's $76. $76. Simple as that. Whatever number of tickets you want to donate to Rabbi Katz and the NCSY organization, they will make sure that kids would never have an opportunity to go to any type of major Cholomite event will be given those tickets and they'll be able to go and enjoy. It's as simple as that. So if you'd like to participate in that mitzvah, you can call Rabbi Katz at 201-862-0250. If you'd like to purchase your own ticket, you can call that number or you could log on to ncsygreatadventure.com. If I can add to that, yeah, you know, sure. um, for $38, you sponsor a kid. Every year um, after the show, we're inundated with phone calls. You know, it's a very sad thing that um, there's a lot of families out there in New Jersey, a lot of families that are, that are living below the poverty line, kids who cannot really even dream of going to Six Flags. They've never been to a concert. They've never been to a Benny Friedman concert. Right. And every, every year after this uh, show, you get phone calls from families saying, I have four kids, I have five kids, the kids are begging me to come, you know, even if you're not coming yourself to Great Adventure, even if you're planning to go to Florida or California or God knows where else for Pesach, you can call and, and donate tickets for, uh, for these kids. Um, the other thing I want to add is, you know, we view Pesach really as a, uh, as, as, as the whole, as, 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 as the whole Claudia Israel as, as a great, as a great event. We give discounted tickets to, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of terrorists out there. Uh, big kids, we give, uh, discounted tickets to, uh, battered women's shelters, uh, orphans. We also, the past two years, I've given this kind of ticket to right. We value tremendously uh, Jewish educators, people who are marvelous Torah day and night, and we know that um, teachers don't always get the best salaries and cannot always um, afford this type of event. Great idea. So every year we, we basically give it to the teachers at cost price. Great so idea. come home and say, you know, um, you do all this for all the other kids, you know, what about your own children? Right. So we give this kind of ticket to teachers. We're happy to do that. Great idea. All right, ncsygreatadventure.com, 201-862-02. Uh, what's the number? 02-50. Rabbi Katz, thank you. Chag Kasher v'sameach to you. Uh, thank you. There he is, Rabbi Eitan Katz. He's, uh... There we go, Rabbi Eitan Katz. He's preparing for a wonderful NCSY Great Adventure adventure. Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, Chol Hamoid at Six Flags. 36 degrees, clouds, and a high temperature of 56. Lots of Chol Hamoid activities going on, of course. We'll uh, be speaking about them all week long, as you can imagine. Tomorrow, it's our Pesach Products Program. That's right. Tomorrow, we open up the phones for Rabbi Schoenfeld, Rabbi Gersten, uh, Jay Buxbaum of Kedem, Larry and Ronnie of Jay Drugs. All your questions regarding Pesach. Tomorrow on our Pesach Products program right here at JM in the AM. Well, our friend Yanki Meyer is with us live via telephone. He's, of course, from Misaskim. You can imagine with the tragedy of the Sassoon family that happened on Shabbos two Shabbatot ago, you can imagine how dedicated and busy he and his staff have been um, both during and uh, during the aftermath of this terrible tragedy. And now there is a uh, a campaign going on, which Yankee is going to explain to our audience. Yankee Meyer of Misaskim, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Nochum. We should mention, by the way, in addition to the seven lives that were lost in that terrible tragedy, we should mention that two of these Sassoon family members are uh, are still, uh, I assume, hospitalized and still in need of a Rafur Shalema. Any update you can give us at this point, Yankee? 
Uh, speaking to the family last night, yes, they're heading in the right direction, but they still got a long, long way to go. Uh, the burns that they sustained were severe burns, and prior to them tackling the problem with the burns, they have to make sure that all their breathing problems are corrected first. Uh, they did inhale a lot of smoke, wow. and that's what they're going to be addressing. That's what they have been addressing first, and Baruch Hashem, it is heading in the right direction. They are hopeful, but they still, we can't stop our tillers. They're still in great need of it. Um, not that we're going to go into detail now. I don't know if there's even a reason to. Um, maybe the only reason would be because we do want to increase people's awareness of uh, fire safety. But um, you would say it's indescribable the type of scene you saw that Shabbos in Flatbush, Brooklyn. Nochum, you know that Misaskin was was privileged to be standing in the forefront of many tragedies that have befallen our community. Uh, unfortunately for these tragedies that had to happen, for whatever reason, the Rolling wanted it to happen. But to stand up as community servants, we've been there many times. We've been there time and time and time again when each one of these tragedies were unbearable tragedies. We have had drownings, we have had crib deaths, we have car accidents. Uh, years ago, a fire in Williamsburg on Pesach with three children lost their lives. Right. They weren't all from the same family. Right. But what we went through this Friday night was, was just, it was just unimaginable. You know, uh, I myself uh, headed out to Maimonides Hospital when, 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 when we heard that they were bringing in the first child in cardiac arrest. One of the children in cardiac arrest landed up in Maimonides Hospital. And we've been in, in that hospital many times when children were brought in after a fatal car accident and the doctors are trying feverishly to save a life. And the doctors will go the extra mile rather than stopping to do what they're doing and what they would say to call it that, unfortunately, there's nothing that could be done. They would wait for a parent to show up, that the parent could see that they're trying their best, that they know that everything was done. Right. Malcolm, these children passed away. We stood in the hospital. There is no mother. She's in critical condition. The father was away for Shabbos. And you stand here for hours and hours with an emptiness. <sighs> I could tell you that even the hospital staff, when they heard what was going on, there's a Dr. Levine. She was the charge doctor that night. Took her entire staff together with our soul of volunteers and did a debriefing right after the incident took place because some of the nurses broke down. Mm. You know, you hear it's one child, and you hear it's playing out in two other hospitals. We had to wake up numerous people at night from the city officials to get everything going the way we should be able to get everything going. Investigations that should be going on over here to make sure that there are going to be no problems for the family afterwards. And, and it just goes on and on and on and on. And it, it's just the emptiness that was there, nothing. You, you see these children there one hospital after the other hospital, and then after we finished dealing with the medical examiner and the police department and everything else that it entailed, we picked ourselves up, we woke up the liaison to the burn center in Staten Island, and we were driven out by the police department because we knew there's a girl laying there, we have to see what she needs. <clears throat> there's no who's going to make decisions for, who's going to bring down the doctors, who, what, when, and where. When we got there, there was an uncle there with her who was on his way to deal, to break the news to the grandparents, they got obstructed to go out and deal to tell the elderly grandparents before they heard it from the news. It was just one thing after another thing, and while this is all going on, we were trying to locate the father. Well, let me tell you something, Malcolm. I was there 
when we broke it to the father. We sat down with him. We started talking to him. And naturally, what would somebody do in a time like this? The screams that came out were just unbearable, unbearable. I will never forget it. And after, after like 10 minutes of him screeching and crying, he managed to pull his composure together, and he turns around and he tells me, he says, it's Shabbat today, and I'm not allowed to do this. i got to stop crying. And he pulled it because composure together, and he stopped. It didn't last. He cried further. He's only human. But he managed to pull his composure together and stop. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, this whole story from A to Z. <laughs> and that's why we decided we opted, wanted to do something as, as a corner for these seven pure showmas. What we had to do in the medical examiner's office, and they, they came through for us 150%. They opened up the office for us at 4 o'clock in the morning. They brought in extra staff. They even brought in a computer technician. Should the system go down while we were doing whatever had to be done, as far as entering all the information, there would be a hands-on person to get it back up and running as quickly as possible because they knew we wanted to catch these flights. The extra personnel that they brought in, but at the end of the day, when we saw those seven showmen, there's seven bodies laying there, we decided we wanted to do something as a corner for them. This is not a fundraiser for Masaskin. We're two-thirds of the way there. We want to try to finish this up. The father got up from Shiva yesterday, and we opted to write a safe return and a closer for Shlema for the mother and the surviving child. Yankee Meyer is with us via telephone. Masaskim, of course, and I remind you that not only was Masaskim there and all the things that Yankee described, him and his staff, his volunteers went through that Shabbos and the aftermath of the tragedy. On top of that, they were coordinators of the what essentially was a seven-part funeral. For those of you who've seen the video or were there on the spot, you know what I mean. And, of course, again, coordinating uh, with Yerushalayim, with the holy city of Jerusalem, Nitzchever Kadisha, for the final resting place for the seven members of the Sassoon family. The uh, Sefer Torah, as Yanki just described, is um, being done as a memorial to the seven members of the Sassoon family. How do people uh, assist you in getting to the goal and making this uh, Sefer Torah complete? It's very simple. They could go on to our website, masaskim.org, or at any time they could call our office at 718-854-4548. We'll be happy to try to help them out. We're hoping to try to finish this up between today and tomorrow. Uh, we're about twelve, thirteen thousand dollars short from the project, and we hope to be able to do this Achnosa Sefer when it's finished, together with the surviving mother, together with her surviving child, with Gabi Sasson, with the rest of the family, and try to give them at least a little bit chizik uh, to show that we're going to try to internalize their memory as long as possible. This has uh, pierced, as I always say, Yanki, the uh, collective Jewish heart, people around the world, without any question, and really uh, any any good human being has been affected by this, who could possibly hear about this and watch what happened and uh, be in touch with what happened and not be affected by it. And the uh, kolakavo to you, to the organization, to everything Masaskum continues to do for everybody, uh, it must have been... <laughs> like I say, an indescribable situation, but uh, you and your staff, your volunteers, were there on the front lines. By the way, uh, as I said to New York City Controller earlier, and I would say at any point this week with any guest with whom it's appropriate to discuss it, uh, Badikas Chametz is done by candlelight this coming Thursday night, and there's a lot of candles this Yontif, and a lot of uh, hot liquids on the blech on Shabbos when it's Yontif and Shabbos together. 
and there's uh, there's a lot of hot dishes that are being uh, cooked in 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 uh, in ovens, and we could probably think of a hundred other scenarios where fire safety is something that we need to pay attention, and smoke alarms that are likely defective that need to be either replaced or fixed. Yankee, it is a good time to remind everybody that uh, that with the um, with these precious neshamas in mind, we should step up safety for our own families out there. Malcolm, what I could tell you on that is is that you and me have been getting together on our annual summer uh, safety watch that we've always been doing right before the summer when we've been putting out this magazine. Right. And unfortunately, as wide as it takes something like this to make our awareness and to go the extra mile and checking our smoke detectors, you know, it's the same thing. Yeah, that's shown every time after we hear of a drowning in the country. That's when everybody all of a sudden is che- checking the gates and the pools and right. what's the opening and if there's a phone to call for help. Malcolm, the fire department has been putting out these warnings twice a year for the longest time that any of us could remember. When you change your clock, check your smoke detectors. There's no reason we should have to wait to such tragedies. When when we hear of these safety features that are being you know offered or people being made aware of, why don't we just do them when they're being told? There's reasons that these things are being told. It shouldn't have to come to such a tragedy that we should have to be made aware of all this, of an ABC of having working smoke detectors in the house. You know, and if there's a problem because it's ringing, because it's too close to the kitchen, don't shut it. Place it somewhere else where it's not going to ring every time. I know in my house, when I moved back into the house, my carbon monoxide detector went off on an electric oven. Wow. There was something wrong with it, but we fixed it. Right. We didn't disconnect it. And, and, and why does it take these tragedies to get these things going? When, when you hear these things, people are reminders of, of safety features, we should be able to do them, you know, right away. They're being offered for our safety because of the experts that know what's going on out there. No question about it. Thank you for joining us. Anybody who wants to participate in the Sefer Torah, it will be a celebration of Hachnasa's Sefer Torah to give chizik to the family, the Sassoon family, those remaining members after the terrible tragedy. Uh, you go to misaskim.org, misaskim.org. Phone number is 854 Correct. 718-854-4548. And a safe Pesach for everybody, of course. Monday morning, it's JM in the AM. Uh, cloudy skies, a high 56. More coming up if you keep it right here at JM in the AM. This comes from Yaakov Shweki. Refuasanefesh, refuasaguf, 
Dedicated, of course, to those surviving members of the Sassoon family who need to refuse Shlema. That's Yaakov Shweki. Monday morning, JM in the AM. Tomorrow, our Pesach Products Program. 
When Rabbi Kanelsky has a question about Pesach, he tunes into us. Either by Schoenfeld or by Gersten, Larry and Ronnie from J Drugs, J Booksbaum from Kedem. Rabbi Kanelsky knows if he has a Pesach question, he could just tune into JM in the AM on the Tuesday before Pesach. Speaking of Rabbi Kanelsky, how do you like that? I mentioned Rabbi Kanelsky, and all of a sudden he's here, sitting to my left. Rabbi Mordechai Kanelsky and special guest Mendy Kanelsky are in studio this morning at JM in the AM. Rabbi Kanelsky, welcome back to JM in the AM. Thank you, Rabbi Nachum. It's a pleasure to be here again. Let me as just, every year before Pesach. Every year before Pesach, you visit us. Yes. Every, How can I miss here? Every year before Pesach, I make sure to tell everybody about the uh, matzah that the Russian government of old. Let's let's assume for a minute it's a different type of government. We'll, I hope we'll, so. we'll give the new government credit. <laughs> the Russian government of old would hold back the matzahs, would not give them to you for the first seder, or for either seder. And you would take those matzahs during the month of Eir, after they were finally delivered, and you would put them on a special shelf. My parents. Your parents put them on a special shelf where they would sit for the entire year until you used them for the Pesach Seder the next year. I remind everybody, as we buy our many, many pounds of matzah and complain about how expensive it is, and as we buy our whole wheat matzahs and our spelt matzahs and our oat matzahs and our machine matzahs and our four ninety nine special five pounders and our free five pounders at some supermarkets I noticed. Some of them give them out for free. Yeah, yeah. Let us remember that Jews in the world do not always have matzah. I wanna Wait, tell one, you. Second, one second, one second, one second. I just saw Yeah, Rabbi Eisenman. I think it was Rabbi Eisenman from Passaic just published an article. And in the article, he quotes a survivor who talks about, who talks about taking some, I don't even remember what it was, some dirt and some, uh, some liquid that they found. I don't remember what it was. I can't remember at this moment. And that was their matzah for that they commemorated for the Pesach Seder. And he, he spoke about a man who had taken with him from his home one, the one thing that he took with him was his Haggadah. And all that was left after everything that had happened and the guards who took things away and everything was one page of that Haggadah. And it was the page of the Eser Makas. Because that was the only thing that we had to give to, to, the, to, the, to the guards. Exactly. Anyway, uh, uh, let me just mention. The Bris Avram Centers that will be hosting Pesach Sedarim Friday night and Saturday night are Congregation Shomri Torah, O.L. Yosef Yitzchak, Cheder Yalde Menachem. That's, of course, Salem Avenue and Hillside. The Bat Sheva Chaya Esther uh, Mikvah, Men's Mikvah, Women's Mikvah is also located there on Salem Avenue. Bris Avram of Fairlawn is going to have one. Uh, Who say this? Two Starim yes. uh, on Fairlawn Avenue. And Bris Avram of Jersey City. Believe it or not, Rabbi Kanelsky sends Rabbi Lepkifker back to Jersey City. Just when you thought there was not, no work to be done here. There is a lot of work. There's both nights will be a seder here at 25 Cottage Street. And that's the oldest seder in in New Jersey because that will be held for the 35th consecutive year. Wow. Imagine that. 35th consecutive year. And we'll be also a seder in Brooklyn we're making, in in, Flatbush and on Ocean Avenue. I want to share with you what you just said about matters in Russia. Three weeks ago came a group from Marina Russia here to our show. Young boys. They, they came here together with Rabbi Mandy Wilensky. Well, who Lomi, live in Russia now? Live in Russia. They came here as a group to be here. Yeah. And they came to our show and I spoke for them. And they asked me to speak how we, religious Jews, Chabad Jews in Russia, celebrated Pesach in the 60s. Right. And I shared with them that story. 
About the matzah. About the matzah that was a whole year in the top of the closet by my parents with a white sheet covered. Waiting for the Seder. Waiting from Pesach Sheni to Pesach Rishon. From the, from year to next Nisan. Came over to me one person with tears in his eyes. And he says to me that he always wondered what was in his grandmother's house covered <gasps> that she did not let anybody to touch it a whole year. And he says to me, now I understand. My grandmother passed away, he says, and she never told me, but a whole year, my his grandmother says she was keeping kosher. She had a, se- a separate a shisel, a special, as per what she cooked, the pie, the whole family was not religious, but she was still religious. And she, she, he Are had you trying tears. to make me cry? Are you trying to make me cry? No, I'm just want to say how we could have to dance in happiness and say how well by day and by night that we have so many kosher Pesach items and so many good things. And, but we have to remember that what we're saying, is not just what happened many years ago. It just happened now. Just 30, 40 years ago. Nobody had the ability to have it. How fortunate we are that we have everything. But I want to add to you one more thing. When, when you were in Earth, when I came here to the marathon, right. and then I asked you, when could we speak about Pesach? He says, you're going to Eretz Yisrael, right. you come back, you call me. Right. And you call me and says, come Monday. Right. Everything's about Goha Protest. It's not just because you decided this Monday I should Yudnison. come. Yes. First of all, Yudnison is the Yorset of Miriam and Avia. Yeah, but today is also the, the, we say every single day, the Hanukkah's Hanisim. Correct. Which Shevet is today? What Shevet is? Don. Yeah. What was the job of Don? That was says in the Torah. That if anybody lost something, he was the one who was going by the back, by the end. And if anybody lost any tribe or any Jew lost something, he... He was in charge it. of lost and found. Lost and found. Right. There is lost and found physically. Right. There is lost and found spiritually. Right. Lost and found spiritually, there is people who lost tarot, lost mitzvahs, lost matzahs, lost feeling. They lost it. Many times the person doesn't know that he loses. Many times we know we're coming to a place, oh, my pocket, I lost my pocket back, I lost something. But sometimes a person doesn't know he lost. Right. Comes, shave it down and brings it back. Our job is today to find a Jew, and there is many Jews who doesn't know that they're losing that, that they don't have a Shmura Matzah. Shmura Matzah is so important to give every single Jew, because Shmura Matzah, as the Zohar says, is Michla Demehem Nusa, and it gives a Muna to the Rebbeinu Shalom. When a person eats Shmura Matzah... You mean handmade Matzah? Yes. Handmade Matzah. Then the person starts to have more Emunah into the Rebbeinu Shalom. It this touches is, the, the heart and the soul, the handmade Matzah. But this is also hard. You know, when you're coming in, you see how the people that are working in the matzah bakery and how they're sweating to make the matzahs, yeah. this is also, it, it brings you a moon. I, I brought a few people this year to the matzah bakery, yeah. and they say, now we understand why the matzahs are so expensive. <laughs> because you see how the people are standing. And this is women who work very hard. And again, we have to respect this, respect every single person. No question. Then, here, Borah Hashem, Brisa Vrohom, till today, and here I have one of my children who helped me also to deliver the matzahs. That's Mendy Kanelski. That's right. And Will he be saying the Manishtana this year? Every child says Manishtana. Everyone says Even Manishtana? adults. Our customers. Everyone says Manishtana. And our what, does cost- it say to end the chakras? No, no, no. <laughs> First of all, <laughs> But the, the delivering of the matzah, thank God, till now we deliver 1,200 pounds of Shmura matzah right. to people. Wow. Many of them, 
never had opportunity to teach more about right. We're giving an opportunity to people to to sell the chomets. That's again something a mitzvah to do. Uh, By the way, anybody out there who has a colleague, even if whatever the situation is and they work on Yantif or do other things on Yantif or may not keep all the laws of Chomets, or Kanelski has said a million times, it is so important even for them to sell the Chomets, encourage them to find a rabbi or you do it for them. Someone should, should volunteer to do it for them. Let them sell their Chomets. It's a very, very important thing. More than that, Zochem Adam Shalei Befonov. You're making a schus to the person. Correct. Sell the person's Chomets. He should not be able after Pesach of, of Chomets Shavar over Pesach. Pesach. And the same thing goes to with Shemur Matzah. And I want to add one, a few things about Shemur Matzah. Many times you're coming into a person and you say, this person is missing Shemur Matzah. Let them start, first of all, not eat that something that is not Chomets. Correct. But the issue is the following. I heard a very good word in the name of the Chofetz Chaim. He said a very good word. Well, a question is, should you give to a person who is not eating kosher a kosher meal? Right. He said the stomach can hold so much and so much. When you're putting in kosher food, he will not, he will have no place to have non-kosher food. Pshhh. It's just a gash that yeah. you take. But you think to yourself, right. the Rebbe encouraged from the beginning of the disease of the Rebbe, by the way, tonight is the Rebbe's birthday. And we're starting to change. Yudal of Nisan. That's right. Yudal of Nisan. Tonight is the Rebbe's birthday. Then, then, what it was the chapter for the Rebbe's birthday starting from tonight to tomorrow? What is it? What, what chapter is that? Chapter 114. 114. Then this is the chapter that we're going to say a whole year now. Right. And, and the Seder. And on the Seder. When you start giving a person a, shmu, a piece of Shmura Matzah and he eats it, he starts to believe. And I see it day in, day out. I'm coming into many, many offices. And people are pleading for the Shmura Matzah. Right. They want to have, because that's reminds the symbol. Them, no question. And that reminds them also of the parents and grandparents. No question about it. And more than that, we are saying that the T.S. Mitzrayim is one of the mitzvahs that Omat Mitzrayim Mechayecho. And there is a dispute. Right. But I will add one more thing. What Smith says there, oh. not just when Mashiach will come, right. but every single day of the life of the person, he has to do something to bring to Mashiach. Then every single day before a person goes to sleep, he has to think for a moment, what I did today, Chazal said, then we all believe that this, this Nisan, we will all be in Eretz Israel together. So this month, Vadai people should be A hundred percent. And every single day when you get up in the morning, think, what can I do today, if I could bring another piece of Shemurah Matzah, if I could invite a, piece, a, a person to a Pesach Seder, if I could put a person to feel, no matter what, any mitzvah is a Hovili Mesa Moshiach. And then we know definitely what the Rambam says. The Rambam says that also mitzvah achas, with one mitzvah, a person is changing the whole world. Yeah. <laughs> then every single mitzvah that a person will do, what will be? Will be the coming of Moshiach. Right. Then if you not just do by yourself, but you encourage somebody else, the Rebbein Hashem has ways to pay everybody. Then we have to just do one more mitzvah and bring everything. You and your in your uh, show that you have, Baruch Hashem, you have no idea how many people who are just not yet putting Rabbi Natam's film and not yet eating only glad kosher <laughs> and not just eating shmur <laughs> matzah. And these people are listening to your show and these people having an att- an, uh, having the spark of Yiddishkeit that you bring them in, that you will never see them and you never know who they are.
But these are the people that hear that. And that's what we're talking here on the show, to make awareness how important it is to have for the person Shmuramatsa. I also have to remind everybody how important it is to support the work of Bris Avram because we have about a minute left. Someone just asked on our app how yes. to support uh, the work of Bris Avram. What did the listener say? How can I donate to Bris Avram? It's always inspiring to listen to Rabbi Kanelsky speak. It's 908-289-0770. 908-289-0770. Support the work of Bris Avram. And, of course, you could sponsor a Seder. You could sponsor Shmuramatz. You could sponsor whatever you want for this upcoming holiday. But it's very important to support the work of Bris Avram to keep Rabbi Kanelsky and his staff going. In Russia, they had very limited things, very limited. Thank God here in the United States, we are inundated with, with thousands. I mean, you walk into a supermarket, you see thousands of products are face-off. There is more product kosher of Pesach than the whole year. <laughs> There's more Pesach than there was the whole year in Russia. <laughs> yes. Woo, uh, You know, I, I, I remember. What, what we had in Russia? We had in Russia pe- uh, matzahs. Potatoes. We had potatoes. Invite Onions. Potatoes and matzahs and matzahs and potatoes. You know, and onions. But the, but the, the, the enjoyment of the family of sitting together oh. and then really believing and saying that word was shown on Bobby Roshawayim was such a feeling, was such a enjoyment to say that word because we always felt that next year would actually be the Roshavayim. And the first year when we were in, came to Eretz Yisrael in 1970 uh-huh. and making that say that there for the first time was something unique. And again, uh-huh. we have to say Shbika Sherkoyach told the wives who are right. helping, especially my rabbits. Helping, they're helping. doing everything. They're doing everything. That I should have the ability to My wife's around. doing everything. And my son here, the Yemora says, Hi, what the Muhammad is Bnei Umnes. Then I'm taking my children every single day to deliver matzahs. That they should have the opportunity to give somebody matzahs, to do something. Baruch Hashem. 908-289-0770. Continue to support the work of Bris Avram. Support their Sturim. Support their uh, Shmur Matzah campaign, as Rekinelski outlined for everybody. And um, if you if you uh, want to sit down with Rekinelski and give him a major donation, he will tell you what life was like Cholamoid at the roller coasters in Russia and, and the Oberlander's uh, cookies and cakes that were available in Russia, yeah. the big Pesach section and all the supermarkets in Russia in those days, right? You know, there is certain things that you have a Cholam. That was even not in a Cholam. <laughs> I want to remind everybody, Mayor Weingarten and the Israel Show is coming up next. We heard the news about Ehud Olmert, unfortunately. He'll have an analysis of that. He'll also have an analysis of what's happening regarding the uh, election uh, aftermath in Israel and, of course, plenty of great brand new Israeli music for the holiday of Pesach as well. The Israel Show follows next, about a minute from now, at jmnam.org. Rabbi Kanelsky, Echad Kosher V'Sameach. Gam Atem. And to Klau Yisrael, Echad Kosher V'Sameach. And we will all be zeche, benisa nigolo, o benisa nasidom egoil, menisa ze mamish. Amen. Yashikach. Achenu B'Israel and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, broadcasting live from the Sonia and Robert Gold Studios in Jersey City, New Jersey, around the world on the web, jmnam.org. Uh, tomorrow, it's one of our highlights of the year. All Pesach, all the time. We get to do our Pesach products program tomorrow morning. I hope you'll join us as the entire crew, the entire panel will be together for a Pesach product program and uh, all the details, what you need to know. Uh, all based on your questions tomorrow morning starting at about 7.30 right here at JMN. The Israel Show with Mayor Weingarten is live from Yerushalayim next. He's live in Yerushalayim. Mayor Weingarten is next here at jmnam.org. 
Plenty more coming up all day long on our stream at jmnam.org. And, of course, tomorrow morning, join us for our Pesach program here at JM in the AM. Have a fabulous Monday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Sigal reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.